I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. So I, I couldn't help noticing you and noticing you noticing me. I love you. No. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Just cherish me. Why are you telling me all of this? Because I want you to like me for what I am. Whatever you are, I like it. I love you, sissy. I just think maybe you should consider whether or not you feel you can deliver a kiss that kills. I love you. I want to marry you. I've loved you from the first moment I saw you. Please, please come with me. Hello and welcome to Living in the 80s. We are not at Members Only Studios this week. We are at the Palace Cactus Land Studios. Palace Cactus Land? No, it's the Desert Palace. The Desert Palace at Sierra del Seguro. Which is hard for me to say because I'm way too American to say those kind of words. That's why I say tortilla instead of tortilla. See, you can say tortilla. Okay. As promised, I have got an awesome special guest with me today. I've got my beautiful wife, Leah. And we are here celebrating Valentine's Day and talking about the romantic movies of the 80s and our memories of them. So, welcome, dear. Why, thank you, Rob. Great to be here. (laughs) We are going to to go through the top movies of the 80s, but like I typically do when I have a first-time guest on here, I'd like to give a little background as to, you know, most of the time it's my friends and uh, people I grew up with, just big histories with and stuff. But my wife, we've got a completely different story. Way back when... In the 80s, we went to the same high school. Same high school. Grove City High School in where? Grove City, Ohio. That's correct. You're good. See, you got all the right answers. Thank you. So, through four years of high school, we never were in any classes together. Nope. Did not run in the same friend circles. And how many people were in our class? 538. 538 people. So I kind of knew who she was. She was like a cute girl I would pass in the hall from but, time to time. But you have to remember, Rob, your last name started with an F and still does. And mine started with an H. So our lockers, which were assigned alphabetically, were very close together. So I'm sure that we ran into each other We probably daily. did. I probably bumped into you and got in trouble for leaning against the lockers or staring or something weird. No, nothing like that, but I do remember feathered hair. (laughs) Yes, I I did have the Rick Springfield going on back in the day. And as we all know, it took a lot to train the hair to feather in the 80s. Oh, did you have your own vent brush or did you have to share with your sister? No, I had my own vent brush Mm. and I had my own mousse. It was kind of expensive back then. Oh, I always used White Rain for 99 cents from Kmart. <laughs> Kmart. I used to work at Kmart. I used to work at Kmart. Different yeah. one, though. That's right. See, if we had worked at the same Kmarts, I would have asked you out for a date and Did you would you have told K-Marts? me no. Kmarts? Kmarts. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Fast forward several years, 2009, we became Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. We have a mutual friend, Carol Moore, who 
was one of my good friends in high school. I did have several classes with her. And I don't know, did you friend me or did I friend you? You absolutely friended me first. Oh, I did. Yes. You, huh. you, this seems to be a point of debate with you, but I can guarantee that you friended me first because I was not sure I wanted to be in a relationship and I was thinking Facebook was like another dating site and I thought, okay, well, if he messages me or whatever, I'll just ignore him. <laughs> what was the, um, the line in the breakfast club that Bender told Claire? You couldn't ignore me if you tried. <laughs> I have to admit, though, that some of your pictures made you look like you were a lot of fun. You, you look like a very fun person. Oh, good. Some of your pictures made you look like you're very pretty. And you are. I had a lot of airbrushing. <laughs> oh, sure. A lot of help on those pictures. Oh, no. I, I would argue that. So we began kind of chatting on Facebook a little bit found out we had a ton in common. You know what? We really didn't chat on Facebook because I don't think they had a message function back then. We were emailing back and forth. That's right. They, you're right. We were emailing mm-hmm. back and I have those somewhere. I've saved them. Like I saved yeah. them as like a PDF someplace. So we were chatting back and forth. We grew up in the same church and her family switched churches, as far as we can tell, just before my family started going No, it there. was like six years difference. Was it that much? Yeah. Okay. Because you didn't start going there until the 70s, and we had right. already, I think we left in the, still in the 60s. Okay. So, yeah, it was a few years, mm-hmm. but we both still went there. Mm-hmm. Um, our families are very similar, just very strong in our Christian faith. And our parents have a combined almost 132 years of marriage experience. Yes. So, <laughs> they know. That can't be right. They That's not it. right. My no. mouth is bad. My it's parents have been married for 55. 55 years. And my parents have been married 64, so 120 years. That's a lot. That's a lot of years. Yes. And if you double it, because there's four of them, mm-hmm. then they have all together 240 years of experience in marriage. That's older than America. No. No, I mean, not quite. Not Almost. Quite. Almost. <laughs> By five years. Did you like the confidence I had when I said, it's older than America? Yeah, if it was in the 80s, yes. (laughs) But it's not. So, I chatted her up. I also was not looking for any kind of a relationship at all. I dated a couple girls after my divorce, and they just, it just wasn't, it didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I should be out dating. Although they were wonderful people. They were. You know, I will say that the women that I dated were all very awesome ladies. Just, you know, awesome for somebody else, just not me. And well, was, they were awesome it was, in it was, their own right. They were. And they were probably, they're all, they're better off without me, I'm sure. <laughs> but during our chats, we discovered that the Super Bowl was coming up and she agreed to go to a Super Bowl party with me. Okay, let me just set the record straight. Please do. (laughs) Okay, so Rob actually told me that we're we're chatting. I think we were actually having a phone conversation at this point, and Rob said that he was going to a Super Bowl party, and I invited myself. Yeah. Because I remember the year before that, I kind of sat home by myself and I was kind of embarrassed because I didn't have any place to go. So I invited myself along to the Super Bowl party. And that was our first not date. Yeah, it, it wasn't was a, Yeah, it wasn't an actual date because her son was with us. So I go to pick you up. I went to the door. 
and when I rang the doorbell, I'm standing out on the front porch, and the door has two narrow windows on each side of it. And I'm just kind of waiting for somebody to come to the door, and I turn around, and I see the prettiest face with the most beautiful smile I'd ever seen. Aw, that was sweet. It's, it's real. It's being real. And walk to the door, and Tabor comes to the door with this humongous cat for me to pet. Like, this cat was the size of, like, a St. Bernard. <laughs> Not really, but it, it, was, was a, a, it was a very large cat. It was probably a 15-pound cat, easy. Yeah. Yeah, his name was Reggie. That's not his real name, but that's what I always called him. His name was also Sam and also Crystal because (laughs) he was the neighborhood stray. And so he actually had lived in several houses on our street. Yes. And whenever he moved, his name changed. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So we sat there during the Super Bowl with our friends in the other room. Tammy Stevens was was our friend. It was at her house, and we kind of sat like in the kitchen area where there was another TV we're watching. It was the Steelers and the Cardinals, and I'm talking to Leah the whole time and just like really starting to, the the more we were talking, the more I felt kind of, wow, I want to be around her more than just this one night. Oh, you never told me that. But remember, we were looking at pictures on my digital camera because our phones didn't take pictures That's back right. then. And I remember you did tell me later how cool you thought it was that our faces were so close together because you had to get in close to see the yes. back of the camera. And, and you didn't have stinky breath, or I would have remembered it. That's a plus. I'm glad I didn't go in for the hummus. That's me. <laughs> I'm glad, too. But, yeah, the picture she was showing me was a mission trip she was had been on in Belize. Um, just how much time was it before that? Like a month or two before that? Yeah, I think that's the year we were there for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, yeah we were down the most bizarre Thanksgiving ever with people from America, Guatemala, Belize. Some of us spoke English and some of us didn't. And so we had at least four different languages represented with seven people at dinner. Wow. That's kind of cool. That's pretty cool. Just being around her and like wanting to get to know more about her, I also got to see her heart and her heart for, for others. And really, you know, from very early on, like I was, again, no plans on anything, just kind of going, huh, this girl's pretty neat. And then three weeks later, we were had a gym membership and a phone plan together. <laughs> we did, <laughs> and and I, I don't want my 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 audience, my people, will be very impressed to know that that was February first that we met, or, or that we went out on that first not date. Valentine's Day, she got her first mix CD. Yes, I did. And today, she got the thirteenth one. Every year. Lucky 13. Yes. So we got married in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was... Of 2009. Of 2009. Not this yes, August. Not this August. No, we haven't been living in sin. So August of 2009, we got married. And 12 years later, here we are talking about romantic 80s movies on a podcast. In the lovely desert palace in Sierra del Seguro. Yes. And by the way, yesterday... I was shoveling snow. Today, I can see palm trees and cactus. You should have been here two weeks ago when you could look out the window and see snow. 
That was pretty wild. Wow. So today we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back talking about your favorite 80s romantic movies. Also, if you recall the very beginning, the intro to today's podcast, there was a montage with several clips. The first person that can correctly identify every film clip that we put on the intro will get their very own limited edition Living in the 80s can koozie. Oh yes, uh, our all of our uh, special guest hosts are getting one, and you can have your very own. So send an email to livingthe80sus at gmail.com. That's living the 80s US, like United States, at gmail.com. The first to correctly identify every film clip gets their own free can koozie which is sure to be a great limited collector's edition. So we will be right back talking about our movies. Welcome back. We are going to go through these movies here and kind of talk about our memories. Did you go to a lot of movies in the 80s? I feel like I went to the movies every weekend. but Me too. But the places like the Eastland Plaza. I remember seeing Cujo at the Eastland Plaza. Cujo is a very underrated love story. These yes. people love their dog. That is true. Anyhow, I know that's not a love mo- love story, but I just remember going to a lot of movies. I remember going to the drive-in because I had a hatchback, and we could like scoot people back under the hatchback and get them in for free and <laughs> stuff like that. But I, I didn't go to many movies as... You know, I didn't go on dates to movies because I didn't go on many dates. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go with friends to movies. But once I started working and, like, my junior and senior year, I went to, I felt like I went to a lot of movies. So, for you listening at home, a movie theater is a place people used to go to to watch movies on a very large screen. It would be dark and you can see movies you watch on TV now used to be in the olden days you can watch them in a theater they still have theaters Rob they're just temporarily closed (laughs) for the most part for the most part romantic movies so I will be the first to admit even as a guy I like a good romantic comedy I'm not ashamed to admit that a lot of guys might not say that but I do I, I, I can usually watch them Unless they're like of the cheesy Hallmark variety. Oh, you mean the ones where everything happens and then it snows? Yes, like that. (laughs) So those I'm just not into. What we're going to do now, uh, we're going to go through the top five list, starting with number five. Number five. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Number five, The Princess Bride. Oh, this is my all-time favorite movie. (laughs) Which, I'm really glad it got into the top five. Oh, if it hadn't, I probably would have gone and messed with the results just so that it did make it to the top five. (laughs) Because, again... 
It's got everything. It's got pirates and sword fights and true love. <laughs> so this movie uh, came out in 1987. Seven. Wow. Yes. Stars Carrie Ulls, Elwes, 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 E-L-W-E-S. I don't think I've ever seen or heard his name said. Ulls. Is it Yules? Mm-hmm. That sounds that makes sense. Uh, Robin Wright, which you may remember as Jenny from Forrest Gump. Uh, Mandy P- Paddington. Princess Buttercup was Jenny? Yes, she was. I did not know that. A really fat motorcycle just drove by. Oh, that, that goes on all night. Yes. Um, Chris Sarandon. Wallace Shawn. Andre the Giant. Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest. And let's not forget Peter Falk. Yes. Yes, our narrator. Did you already say Fred Savage? I did not say Fred Savage. I forgot. Yeah, he was a little boy. He was a little boy. Yeah. Uh, The plot of the movie, it is an enactment of a book read to a sick unnamed boy who is initially dismissive of the story told by his grandfather. A beautiful young woman named Buttercup lives on a farm in the fictional kingdom of Florin. Whenever she instructs her farmhand Wesley, he complies and answers, As you wish. She eventually realizes that he truly means, I love you, and that she loves him in return. He leaves to seek his fortune overseas so they can marry, but his ship is attacked by the dread pirate Roberts, who is infamous for never leaving survivors, and Wesley is believed to be dead. And then what happens? And then he comes back and he comes back to Princess Buttercup. Five years later. And and then oh so he's she's yeah, so she, scheduled she, yeah, she, to marry Humperdinck. Yes. Humperdinck, Humperdinck, Humperdinck. Yes. And when so then so she's supposed to marry Humperdinck but then she's actually just being used as a pawn to start a war so they head off to the cliffs of insanity where they plan to uh, so Wesley and company are following her and there's the eels, the screeching eels and she tries to jump into the water with the screeching eels and and Andre the giant then saves her and pulls her out of the water and said you'd be better off with the eels I doubt you'll get such a bargain from the screeching eels. And never mind. There's a lot of great lines in this movie. There is. So my favorite character is Inigo Montoya. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> yes. So I have seen this movie countless times. And it never gets old. No, uh, does not. Not, I mean, we're at some point going to do a podcast on comedies of the 80s, but I think this will probably be be there. Uh, it'll be in the Mount Rushmore with maybe one or two others. I think one of the things that makes this movie so funny is like movies like Napoleon Dynamite, um, The Breakfast Club. There are so many quotable lines. So what, what are some of your favorites? Well, if you're talking about the one-liners, I think the the funniest one, or some of the more obscure ones, 
when they're in that boat heading to the cliffs of insanity to start the war and they're doing this rhyming game and uh what's his name sanini or what's the guy's name uh um vizini yeah vizini says stop it i mean it and andre the giant says anybody got a peanut (laughs) 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 or or when uh uh when Wesley is following them and he tries to attack Andre the Giant and he jumps on his back and he finally is getting you know, beat up and thrashed and bashed against a rock and everything. And finally, Wesley bests him and puts him in a sleeper hold and he passes out. And Wesley tells Andre dream of large voluptuous women and it's just hilarious some of the things that go that happen and of course one of the quotable ones i do not think that means what you think it means when he kept uh, when vincini keeps saying inconceivable yes <laughs> so if you guys ever wonder where that line came from it was from the princess bride it was from the princess bride and of course you cannot talk about the princess bride if you don't mention the fire swamp and the rous because the rodents of unusual size i doubt they exist i loved billy crystal's character in this he didn't have oh, a, yes. like a lot of screen time but very very memorable like uh, oh, you know, I like a nice MLT, a mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich. <laughs> or there's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Because now, mostly dead is slightly, slightly alive. alive. <laughs> yes. So uh, this movie um, did pretty well in the box office. Uh, it did 30.9 million dollars in 80s money, so that's very good. Uh, and it cost 16 million dollars to make. So it had a really nice ROI if it could double its income there. Yes, it did. And just think, it was it was almost shocking when the 25th anniversary version was released. So that was... How could this movie have possibly been 25 years old already? I'm not that old. But yes, apparently I am. Yeah. Sad, but true. Uh, for those of you 80s music fans, the soundtrack... Uh, the music was done by Mark Knopfler, who we know as the guitarist, songwriter, singer for Dire Straits. So, um, are they the people who get their money for nothing and their chicks, their chicks for, for free? free? Yes, they are because they want their MTV. Aren't you impressed that I know that? I am super impressed. So, just a backstory here. <laughs> Thank you. I knew no the names of no songs and the names of no artist and could never ever ever in my life put together what artist sang what song i mean there are a couple of course like like billy jean oh that's michael jackson yes and i and i knew a, a few things that were phil collins and stuff like that and a couple of youtube songs and you know the journey things and stuff like that I, I really didn't have a problem with that. But then when it came to other bands, I could not name a single song that they sang. And then Rob forced me to play this game of who sang that. And he actually started to coach me and say, okay, now listen for the sound. And 
I am now much better she at is, this game. She is pretty darn good, actually. But it, it just as any game, you get kind of tired of playing it. I never get tired of playing it, but she kind of does. So um, I could tell when she's tired of playing it because I'll say, who sung this? And she'll say... Thompson Twins. <laughs> it's kind of like her way of tapping out of the game. Like, okay, I'm done. This That's is- my Four Christmases mistletoe. Yes. So if um, if if Iron Maiden came on and she was tired of playing the game, she would call Iron Maiden the Thompson Twins. So. Rob would say, who sings this? And I would say, Thompson Twins. And that's when he would know to not ask me any more that questions. day <laughs> who sang this. Except for one time he called me and he says, who sings this song and held it up to the radio. And I go, Thompson Twins. And it really was. It was, because I knew it. <laughs> So, uh, Princess Bride, uh, our number five movie. My number one movie. Her number one. Our number five. And that means we are up to number four. Number four. Your hair, what happened? Well, I guess you're looking at it. (laughs) Oh, wow, you look great. Thanks, you, uh, look stunning, really. It's it's breathtaking. (laughs) No, and listen, I want you to know, despite my appearance at this function, I remain now and will always be a duck man. Number four is Pretty in Pink. This was a um, this was a movie from 1986, starring uh, Molly Ringwald, John Cryer, and James Spader and Andrew McCarthy. So this was a John Hughes movie, uh, who also brought us The Breakfast Club. Uh, 16 Candles, uh, Vacation, Christmas Vacation, um, Home Alone. This guy, he made his mark in these teen movies. And those of us that grew up back then, these characters were teenagers as we were teenagers. So we kind of relate to them a lot. So we go back, and and he does a very good job of... um, taken like the, the teenagers problems that they had like as adults we look at these teenage problems like big deal but as a you know a, a senior in high school our character Andy played by Molly Ringwald is super excited about going to the prom like to us we don't care the prom that was so many years ago but you know this was a big deal back then and he did a good job at taking these problems that we may minimalize and making them kind of a a big thing. So, uh, the plot of the movie, um, high school senior Andy Walsh uh, lives with her underemployed working class father, uh, Jack, in a Chicago suburb. Jack is played splendidly by Harry Dean Stanton. And uh, she's uh, best friends with Ducky, who's also kind of an outcast... um, uh, new wave rocker kind of a kid. Um, I don't want to say yeah, he's a little effeminate, but he definitely has a crush on Andy. So Andy starts dating Blaine, played by Andrew McCarthy, who's a rich kid, and um, James Spader plays the. First of all, James Spader is one of my favorite actors because just about every role he's in, he kills it. Um, if you guys seen him on The Blacklist, 
He does an amazing job. I just was I've been binging through all the Marvel movies and the Age of Ultron uh, was on, and he he only has a voice in it, um, the, the CGI character, but just his his overall attitude and snarkiness is great. But in this movie, he plays a tremendous, awesome job at being an '80s teenager jerk. <laughs> he, he played it to a T. So. Um, he puts pressure on Blaine because secretly, for some reason, everybody loves Andy. And uh, in this case, um, James Spader's character, Steph, uh, kind of has a little crush on Andy. He's a little upset that Blaine's going out with her, and he uh, uses insults and things to mask his jealousy. So, Leah, you've seen this. Mm-hmm. What, are your thought- what are your thoughts when you think back to this movie? to admit i i just remember more than anything ducky's fantastic outfits yes and didn't he have like this yellow shirt on and always wore hats or something like that yeah he'd always wear these weird little artsy looking hats and he had his like his his kind of pompadour rockabilly haircut wouldn't that be more like a flock of seagulls hairdo? No, 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 no. Definitely not, not a flock of seagulls. Not it was quite more, that no, it's more of a, a fifties rockabilly yes, kind of thing. Yes, going it, on. yes, the pompadour look. Yes, sort I of a Eddie Cochran kind of thing. You don't know who that is. Move no. on. <laughs> Fifty singer. So I'll yes. just trust you on that. Okay, one. Okay, thanks. So anyhow, now that's about all I remember about this movie, and I honestly kind of like keep mixing up pretty in pink and 16 candles and i kind of mix those together with um better off dead and skiing the k2 so k12 okay okay whatever i'm a nerd okay i apologize so all of those movies somehow are in this giant blender vortex of movies that i really didn't re-watch that much after I had seen them. Mm-hmm. And so it had been quite a while until, of course, I married you. And then... Remember that one year? Was it December 26, 2009? Nine. Nine, yes. Mm-hmm. So it was the day after Christmas. Obviously, because it was December 26. Yes. Uh-huh. And Leah and I decided we are going to... I don't think we decided. We just did it. We just binge watched like all of these '80s teen flicks. <laughs> so we watched *The Breakfast Club* and Sixteen Candles* mm-hmm. and *Pretty in Pink*. Maybe *Ferris Bueller's Day Off*. Yes. Yeah, so we watched all of those movies, and they since they are all most of them were from the same director. Yes. And they were all coming of age movies. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah, Molly Ringwald was in three of them. Yes, <laughs> and so they are all in this big blender i think my favorite scene from some of them i just love that one is it andy mcdowell mm-hmm. in breakfast club no uh, ali sheedy ali sheedy yeah yes. okay yes so, uh, yeah i don't know who that other person is but yes ali sheedy shaking her hair and and looking at all of the dandruff come out that was that was a classic shot yes it was um I remember when she did that. She was it was during uh, she was doing like an art project, and it looked like snow on a bridge that she had drawn, 
and then lunchtime came and she's eating her Captain Crunch with pixie sticks and put it on bread while looking at the Prince 1999 album. Right. How do you know all this stupid crap, Rob? Because I still watch these movies. <laughs> yes. Guilty as charged. So, just keep in mind, uh, gentle listeners, that uh, I went to a lot of college after high school. <laughs> yes. And so, you know, my brain is full of chemistry, facts, and things like that. And Rob's brain is still full of 80s movies. So there you go. I, people that, that listen to this podcast have heard me say plenty of time, like, boy, if I could only fill my brain with things that had value. But, you know, as she was going to college, like, I'm memorizing 80s lyrics. I'm going to movies. I'm watching sports and wrestling. And <laughs> it's just it's just kind of the way I am. So back to Pretty in Pink. Um, as, as we go throughout the movie, there's the, you know, we see Blaine and Andy's um, budding relationship. Ducky feeling very uh, wounded emotionally because, you know, he'd given his whole heart to Andy. Um, when you're talking about the yellow shirt, uh, he's wearing that during a conversation with Andy's dad where he's talking about, it's like, I ride by her house on my bike every day. So he's dedicated to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, seeing, seeing him get his heart broke, you know, it was kind of rough. Uh, but, um, so Blaine and Andy end up breaking up. And um, she... Now, were they ever actually together? They were together, yeah. Okay. They were together for a while. And it was going very well. But then he succumbed to the, the, the peer pressure of, you know, she's not rich and cool and whatever. So... And so he breaks it off with her in the hallway, and she's screaming at him. And so she decides she is going to go to the prom alone. Um, she, you know, of course she's an art student. She wants to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. So she takes part of her friend Iona's, um, who is portrayed wonderfully by Annie Potts. Uh, you might remember her from Designing Women and, and Ghostbusters. And... Young Sheldon's grandma. Oh, yes. Very good. Um, so she, um, uh, she she takes that. She takes this, this not very nice dress that her dad bought her. She takes them and cuts them up and sews them all and makes this pretty dress. And she shows up. She bravely shows up to prom by herself. And who should show up there with her but our boy Ducky. Dressed to the nines, looking sharp. Got the bolo tie on. Got the pompadour. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the bolo ties. Looking, looking sharp. He's got the the cool sunglasses. Like Ducky looked like the man. So they run into each other in the hall. She's very happy. She's not there by herself, and and he's just there for her. you know. He's just always at this point. He's resigned to the fact that he's her friend and he's okay with it. And um, and so Blaine then comes up to her at the prom with Ducky standing there. Who Ducky had prior to this, only saw Blaine as like a major appliance and that's it. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, um, Ducky tells Andy, you know, he gives her his blessing, you know, go ahead and go with him. He obviously cares about you. And uh, so uh, now a little trivia on this one here. So we see Andrew McCarthy 
uh, Blaine through the entire movie. Um, he had taken another role, and he was filming two roles at the same time, and um, he had got his hair cut. Well, he thought he was done because they they taped the whole, they'd recorded the whole movie, but then decided to go back and re-record the ending. So what you're seeing there is a very bad wig that Andrew McCarthy is wearing. And it, well, you, that's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. And it, it doesn't look very good, but he wears it. So, nice little touching moment at the end. They kiss in the parking lot. And then there's our friend Ducky, left behind. You know, he's he's cool. You know, he feels really good that, that Andy's got you know, her guy and everything. And about the time this cute blonde girl looks at Ducky, he looks one way, looks at the other, and then he looks straight into the camera, and he's like, no, she's like, he's like, me? That's when he looks in the camera, and he goes over towards her. It's Christy Swanson. So, those of you guys remember her as Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yes. The movie version, not the crappy TV version. Those of you fans of the TV version, you can like it all you want. Ain't for me. So, he ends up with Christy Swanson in the movie. So, what was the other movie that he was doing at the same time? I am not real sure what it was. Obviously, not as popular as Pretty in Pink. So, one thing that, that Andrew McCarthy always drove me nuts with... Whenever he would say anything dramatic, not just in this movie, but every movie he had ever been in, his eyes get kind of wide, and it's annoying. Like, why are you doing that stupid thing with your eyes? Next time you watch a movie, just kind of watch it. Oh, you mean like you flutter your eyelids at me from time to time? Yes, that's, like that. That's Rob's tell. If if Rob ever flutters his eyelids at you, ask more questions. <laughs> yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> So that is it for Pretty in Pink. Uh, great movie. Uh, if you haven't watched it or if you've not watched it in a while, go back and check it out. I, I think you'll like it. And um, anything else to add on this movie? Nope. 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 She's good. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, that brings us to number three. Number three. My father's guilty. He lied to me. He lied to everybody. I just left home. I need you. You do? Everything else means nothing to me. If I hurt you again, I'll die. Hurt me again. You don't have a chance. Don't worry about it. I love you. What? I love you. How many more times do I have to say it? One more time would be nice. Number three is say anything. John Cusack is probably my favorite actor, 80s actor. In so many movies, uh, like this one, uh, he did a great job in A Stand By Me. Uh, he was the older brother that passed away, um, better off dead. And then even now in modern times, he's uh, in um, High Fidelity and Gross Point Blank. Two, two of my favorite movies but here and don't forget he was also play he also played opposite Diane Lane in Must Love Dogs wow I forgot about that that's mm -hmm. a good one so uh, in this case he plays um, Lloyd Dobler Lloyd uh, reminds me a little of myself uh, as a teenager uh, he just kind of 
his guidance counselor is really pressing him like what are you going to do with your life like every kid in in your class in the whole senior class put something down as far as what they wanted to do uh, with their lives and he simply tells her like I don't really know what I want to do. I don't know where I'm going to be in 10 years. Do any of these people really know where they're going to be in 10 years? A lot of people put stuff down on a paper just to just to put it down. So, quick question. If you had to put something down on paper in 1984 when you graduated, what would you have put down? Disc jockey. Okay. That's exactly what I did put down. And I remember... Back when we were talking about these things, um, I was talking to Mr. Hampson, our guidance counselor, and uh, I said, you know, nothing here at, at this school helps me, could ever help me in doing anything. Like, I've taken every English class I possibly could. Um, there, there's nothing for broadcasting or communication or things like that. And Isn't that a shame? Because nowadays you could have done any of that at a magnet school or something. Yes, it is. So uh, he looked at me just very, like almost like, I'm sorry we've let you down kind of thing. Like, like you know what? I, I honestly really wish that we, we did have something like that. And we had a good conversation about it. He's like, maybe someday we can get there. It's like, but we're not there just yet. Now, by the way, throughout... All of my years, elementary, middle school, high school, all of that, Mr. Hampson is my favorite um, educator. Uh, he was a guidance counselor. And uh, the way he had for Karen, for every kid in our mm, class. He is very good at that. And uh, the way it went at our, in our school is, like, you get a guidance counselor that's, that covers an entire class. So as a freshman, you get a guidance counselor and that counselor stays with that class through sophomore, junior, and senior years. And then when we leave, he gets in a whole new group of freshmen and brings them through four years. He happened to be my daughter's guidance counselor, too, and she thinks nothing but great things about him. So um, uh, he, he told me that, and the, the really cool thing is several years later, my niece Katie was at the school, and she was the face of the GCTV news. Um, they had a like a morning newscast, like a closed circuit TV. Oh, cool! That would have been awesome <laughs> for me mm -hmm. at that age. So, what about you? If you were asked that question in 1984, what was your answer, or what would it have been? Oh gosh, I have no idea. It's okay. Just like Lloyd, he had no idea. Well, good. Well, I, I actually tried to enlist in the Air Force right after the during the summer between high school and college. So my that was my plan was to go into the Air Force and go to the Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. and it, it kind of ended up that I had tried three different times, uh, and I kept failing the physical. Mm. Once was because I was one pound overweight. And one pound? One pound overweight. Did you do like Vision Quest and take off your clothes and then get on the scale? No. Oh. But so I was like one pound overweight, which was really bizarre because who knows what happened. It's and, that big 80s hair. Yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, the higher, the bigger the hair, the closer to God. Amen. So, and then the second time, 
I actually drove was supposed to drive myself to the to the to the testing center and I thought that the recruiter was going to drive me and it got all messed up so my second time I missed the appointment and then the third time I was ready to sign on the dotted line and they said I'd gone through all of these physicals and everything and they said do you have anything else um, that we should know about and I said well I just have this ingrown toenail but that's it and the ingrown toenail kept me out of enlisting what yeah so because I had an ingrown toenail they wouldn't accept me and then I just kind of figured out you know maybe this God's trying to tell me something and this is not the path for me huh so I ended up going to um, Ohio State and I'd already been accepted so just a matter of writing the check nice and so you've got a degree in journalism, journalism and advertising advertising and business mm-hmm. MBA mm-hmm. Yeah. yep and she's she also has got a degree from the University of Florida yes and that's in project management no that's no, my that's master's in business okay gotcha yep. And then I also have enough credits to get an associate's degree in science. She's smart. <laughs> She's married to a lunkhead like me. <laughs> so, which which we had mentioned before, and and uh, how our 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 lovely couple here reminds me a lot of her and I. So, and that um, would be you and her and me. See, that's how smart she is. <laughs> Um, I is the subject, me is the preposition. Thank you, dear. You're welcome, darling. <laughs> this is my world, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, I, I get corrected daily. I, I do have a It does plaque, help, though. I do have a plaque that says, I am silently correcting your grammar in my head. Yes, and, and she does. Well, sometimes she verbalizes it. So, um, back to our story here. Um, Lloyd, he has got a major crush on Diane Court, who is the class valedictorian, like Leah. She is she is uber smart. Um, she has. I her, don't know that I'm uber smart. I can't drive and read a book. That, that would be, be kind like, of hard. You'd, you'd have to be like an uber. Oh, ha! Drive. That's yeah. great. Sorry. Uh, so, um. Diane has got her entire life planned out for her. She's getting ready to go on a fellowship to London, England, not Ohio, or Kentucky. And um, she is uh, completely set, ready to go. So Lloyd asks Diane out on a date. And she's like, she tells him, no, I'm not doing it. She's like, I'm busy Friday, I'm busy Saturday, I'm busy whatever. And uh, he says, what about tonight? And she he caught her off guard. He's like, they're having this great, you know, graduation party, and let's go. So she goes. He's a perfect gentleman. He makes her laugh, and uh, she, she, she goes. And then she agrees on a second date with him, and she falls for him um, fairly quickly. And our our great couple is is off on a on a great trajectory. Well, at the same time. Her dad is being investigated by the IRS for embezzling money in the uh, nursing home that he owns. Uh, he'd been taking money and checks from uh, people that were actually deceased 
and he was taking all of this money and just trying to build Diane's future, which she did not take to at all. Like, this is the guy that she idolized. So he ends up getting incarcerated, but before that, um, she convinces Diane to break up with Lloyd. Like, he's going to bring you down. He's going to stop you from hitting your goals and your dreams and all these other things. So she breaks up with him, breaks his heart. Um, like our clip at the beginning here of when it said number three. Um, this is them getting back together. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's how it happened. So, again, like Lloyd and Diane, I was the... I was the guy that really didn't have a lot of clear direction at that age. I just kind of lived for that moment and let the next moment take care of itself. And um, one of my favorite parts of the movie, you know, again, I'm not like a big um, romance movie guy, although, you know, I like some rom-coms and stuff, but this movie I love. So at this one point, um, Diane's dad asks Lloyd, well, what are you going to do with your life? And he's like, spend as much time with Diane as possible. And he just laughs at him. And he's like, I'm serious. He's like, no, what are you going to do as a job? He's like, as a job? And like, like, (laughs) here's another person asking me about what I'm going to do as a job. And, uh, he, he starts going on, on this rant about, you know, kickboxing. He's a, he's a kickboxer. And, um, and so, again, he's focused on the woman that he loves. And uh, a lot like me, um, I'm focused on, because I can see her right, right across the table from me right now. But, you know, it's, I, I think every great relationship or relationship that wants to be great, uh, you really have to uh, adore that person and love them. And, um, you know, look, look for the best in them and, and try to be the best version of yourself as you can be. Uh, we fail sometimes, uh, but, you know, I, I think um, to be loved and, and to know we're loved are two really great things. So, that's my husband talk there. Um, so, uh, again, this movie holds up very well. I watched it again this week just to... I, I watched well, it. don't forget that amazing song, Peter Gabriel. Oh, yes! Thank you yeah. for saying that. The boombox scene. If you don't even know what movie this is, you know the picture of John Cusack, trench coat, boombox. But, yeah, that I love that song. It, I even know and that this is Peter Gabriel uh-huh. from the album So. Holy cow. I've created a monster. I know, and I think it's track five, right after um, some weird song. I'll have to remember it. I just lost it. Was it Red Rain? Nope. It was... uh, Ah, I'll have to look it up. (laughs) If only I had a magical rectangle in my pocket. There it is. So, uh, yes, I was watching some of the outtakes on this after the movie, and they were showing the filming of that scene. It's such an iconic scene um, that we we all know. Sledgehammer. Sledgehammer. Oh, with a really cool video. Um, so during that scene, they show him doing it. Like at this point, they didn't know what song was going to be playing there, and they had mm. like a song by like the Replacements or somebody, it's like a punk song or whatever. And uh, he's holding up the boombox, being very solemn and serious, and it's not even Peter Gabriel that's playing. And, and she can hear outside the window to the same song. So it was, uh, 
you know, very, very cool movie. It is one of the not John Hughes movies of the 80s, but this is Cameron Crowe, um, who done a ton of stuff. I love his work. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, he did. Um, he did, um, oh, shoot. Um, Almost Famous was another one that, that I really love of his. Uh, singles is another one he did. So, yeah, he's he's great, so, and also with a lot of great soundtrack music. A lot of great soundtrack mu- music. A lot of classic actors in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diane's father was John Mahoney. Yes. Who, of course, is better known as Frazier's dad. Yes. Frazier Crane's dad. So. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of fun. Um, do you know who played John Cusack's sister in this movie? His real-life sister, Joan Cusack. Did you know that I have a friend who went to high school with them in Evanston, Illinois? No kidding. No kidding. True story. Mine is blown. I never knew that. that I thought I told you that. I don't believe so. It's probably one of those facts that's just leaked out over time. It could have. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of think I would remember that one. Yes. Huh. That's very yeah. That's very awesome. Um, that's Chicago suburb. Yes, it is. Um, so anything else on Say Anything before we move on? I think that sums it up pretty well. All right. So uh, that was number two, which means we... Or number three, I'm sorry, which means we only have two more left. Number two. Thanks for getting Mandy's back. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for coming to get me. Happy birthday, Samantha. Good wish. It already came true. Number two is an all-time 80s classic, 16 Candles. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Uh, Molly Ringwald, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, uh, again, another John Hughes movie. So, um, Anth- or, I'm sorry, Molly Ringwald plays a part of Samantha Baker. Uh, it's her 16th birthday, and her family completely forgets it. And on top of that... Her um, her sister's getting married the next day, and uh, so the grandparents are in town, and they bring with us the legendary, often imitated, never duplicated, Long Duck Dong. What's happening, hot stuff? His name is Long Duck Dong. Long Duck Dong. He came down with Grandma and Grandpa Baker. He's an exchange student that's living with her. Yeah, well, he's totally bizarre. And every time you look at me and you give me the line from Long Duck Dong... What's a happening, hot stuff? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, let's be honest. He stole the movie. Um... He he wrecks the car. He gets drunk. He gets his new style American girlfriend, and uh, he is he is a great comedy relief to this movie. Like he has really nothing to do with the plot of the movie at all, 
but just his scenes that he's in and just steal the show. And it's just another example of little things John Hughes puts in movies, just little nuggets of fun things here and there. Okay, so Long Duck Dong is an exchange student. Yes. What was the movie that had the exchange student from France, the girl? Oh, that's better off dead. Yes. Yes. French toast, French bread, French dressing. <laughs> so, yeah, so this is one that um, I've seen, oh gosh, I don't know how many times. I could, at one point, I could memorize this movie and tell you every line and uh, like I said like John Hughes would put little nuggets in there like one of my very favorite parts of this movie is uh, the the school bus scene so well first of all let me lead, lead up to it uh, get, oh, we'll get back to that in a minute so um, uh, Samantha on top of all these other things she's got a crush on Jake Ryan he's like the, the pretty boy school jock uh, very unlike his character in Vision Quest. He doesn't have a mohawk in this one. But uh, uh, she she really likes him a lot. Doesn't think he notices her. Um, not only that, but like the school geek has got a crush on her. Uh, Anthony Michael Hall, who is credited in the movie as the geek. They don't really give him a name. But we find out during the movie his name is Ted. And they call him Farmer Ted. Farmer Ted because he's a freshman. So he's kind of the king of the geeks. And one of his underlings uh, is who? John Cusack. Yes. So um, so uh, on the school bus is when... Also in Better Off Dead. Also in Better Off yes. Um, so on the school bus, Anthony Michael Hall takes his vinyl jacket, ties the sleeves around his waist, and goes to make his big move on Sam. And um, when he does, we see Joan Cusack uh, sitting on the bus. She's got like a neck brace on. Yes, that's <laughs> and she hilarious. she looks over and she's like, uh -huh. no speaking roles. But again, one other little character that John Hughes throws at us just for a little comedy relief has nothing to do with the rest of the movie at all, other than she's in it. Yes. And it's, again, it's wonderful. But speaking of little things, one of my favorite parts of the movie is on the school bus, they're coming around the corner, and it is a, the kids are playing like a kazoo band. It kind of sounds like this. Hey! I don't know why, but that movie cracks me up. Or that that scene cracks me up every time. Again, I think it's just my appreciation of John Hughes. He does this a lot in The Breakfast Club, too. I'm sorry, not The Breakfast Club as much, but uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, where he just plants these little funny, little silly things in there that makes you laugh. So anyhow, um, John Hughes and... Uh, John Hughes, man, my brain's fried. Um, uh, Sam ends up um, getting together with Jake, of course, and... Uh, it's after the, the sister's wedding and Anthony Michael Hall ends up getting a girl and they live happily ever after. But you get, if you haven't checked this out lately, check it out. Leah, I've been talking a lot about this movie because I love it so much. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this movie Like as you think back on it? Well, just how relatable it is uh, coming from a, a big family about how, yeah, people really just 
don't care about your birthday some days. <laughs> it right. really does suck. <laughs> so you have, so you're one of five. I'm one of five. And your birthday is on Halloween. Yes. And so, like, you've got really the, the, the deck stacked against you on birthday time. Well, you did as not, a kid. It's not as bad as having your birthday on Christmas, but you would think that somebody would actually remember your birthday if it were on a major holiday like Halloween. So one of the the husband requirements I have to have on her birthday every year, I, I have to make sure cake is involved somehow. Absolutely, because what's a birthday without cake? There you go. So um, anything else on uh, 16 Candles? No, I think we're good on this one. All right. On to number one. Number one. You are not scared of anything. I don't Me? Know. I'm scared of everything. I'm scared of what I saw. I'm scared of what I did, of who I am. And most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my whole life the way I feel when I'm with you. Number one was Dirty Dancing. Because I've had the time of my life. How about you, Rob? I, I have to, honey. This has been great. So, Patrick Swayze... Jennifer Grey played Johnny and Baby. They did not know each other. They met at the, um, whatever the name of that place was. It was a summer camp in the Catskills. So what people don't understand, uh, most Midwesterners, is that it was very common for families who lived in New York to get out of the city in the summers, and so they would go up to the Catskills. And so it's nice and cool and refreshing. And it would be like places where people had cottages and they would go there year after year after year so it was like a family tradition so when you go it's like everybody knows each other and all of these families know each other and so that's kind of what people did in the summers is they would go to the Catskills to the cottages yes they would Kellerman's was the name of this particular resort and what you said is absolutely accurate our friend Brian his family would go there, well, not to Kellerman's, but they would go to this place in the Catskills every summer from the time he was a small child and, until well into his adult years after, uh, until like his parents had, had passed. But uh, he said, it's just like that. The zany games, you can take dance lessons, you can you know play volleyball and all kinds of activities. It's like a cruise ship on land. Yes. So, in this case here, Baby, who's, she's there with the family, very cooperative but uninterested in what's going on. So, she is introduced. Teenager. Yes, exactly. She's introduced to one of the guys there, and, and uh, she helps him carry a watermelon up to uh, the, the one cabin where all the staff would hang out. And they they would just get together, play music, drink beer, and dance. And the dancing was very suggestive. And you can tell they were having a good time. This is a culture she had never seen before. So she was completely captivated by what was going on. And then she sees Johnny, Patrick Swayze. And she's a little smitten with him. So they get to know each other. She is helping him be a fill-in for a dance contest that or not a contest uh, an exhibition they had to put on at another hotel so they had to practice together a lot and of course they fell in love so talk to us about dirty dancing what are your memories of this movie yeah i don't remember seeing it 
in the 80s. I think I remember seeing it a little later, but it's some of the some of the stuff is a little schmaltzy and at times, but then it interjects that really serious piece with the uh, with the abortion. And yeah. so even to think about how you know what that was like in the 60s, I mean that's pre Roe versus Wade. And so one, the fact that somebody in was pregnant and then had a an abortion that didn't go so well, kind of kind of a little bit freaky. But then of course, you know, there's the classic line. Nobody puts baby in a corner. And then the fact, that, I mean, just all that cool stuff and how well she does at the the dance at the end. Yes. Uh, you mentioned the abortion scene. Uh, well, it wasn't a, they didn't show an abortion, but this uh, one of the dancers had gotten pregnant by one of the staffers. They got the abortion. Johnny was very honorable and did not rat the girl out, making her look like a, you know, like she was easy or anything. And so Baby's dad automatically thought Johnny was the father because he was there trying to help take care of her. Mm-hmm. And he's angry with her and angry with him, and which led to... Baby was definitely a daddy's girl. He was really disappointed in her, very let down, very distant. It led to the big scene at the end with a dance finale and nobody puts Baby in the corner. Mm-hmm. And I watched it this week because I hadn't seen it in a couple years. So I watched it to kind of refresh myself. Uh, one thing we didn't mention is this movie took place in like the early 60s. Mm-hmm. And the soundtrack is amazing. A lot of oldies in there mixed in. There's a song by Patrick Swayze. Uh, She's Like the Wind. Eric Carmen uh, did a song in it. Uh, of course, the main title was uh, Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers and Jennifer Warnes. Who I had the time of my life. That song has been played billions of times. And uh, it's it's a fun movie to watch. Visually, very nice because they did a very good job with you know the time period, and like you mentioned before, you know the families going to the resorts and and, and mm-hmm. doing that thing. So it was very um, a very cool movie, very cool movie. So, all right, so that rounds out our top five. So what we're gonna do here is there were other movies that got votes, so we're just gonna go right down the list. Maybe word association. Do you remember it? Don't you? Anything special? Uh, so number six only lost out to the to the number to Princess Bride by two votes. And it's a good thing that it did. Yes, because <laughs> we had a much better conversation than we would have about an officer and a gentleman. The number you know, six movie. Yet another classic with a ton of quotes and a ton of memes. So. Well, I wouldn't have felt as bad if that's the one that pushed out Princess Bride, but still a good movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. I was, I was kind of trying to see some clips of it, just because the voting was so close, in case we had to talk about it. But I, I got nothing. I know that another uh, Jennifer Warren song here, "Up Where We Belong," with Joe Cocker, mm-hmm. was the the love theme of the movie. But yes. yeah, I got nothing. Can't buy me love. Remember this one. I don't remember this one. Uh, Patrick uh, Patrick Dempsey plays a teenager, and he falls for I can't remember the the girl's name, uh, the actress's name, but uh, he falls for this girl who's very popular, and he's very unpopular. He's he's very nerdy, very much into astronomy. Uh, his job is cutting grass for everybody, so that's how he makes his money. So the girl spills wine on her mom's dress. And it's a it's a thousand dollar dress, 
So he tells her, I will give you $1,000 if you pretend to be my girlfriend for like, I think it's like six weeks. And so she agrees to it. Mm-hmm. And um, they end up uh, kind of falling in love. But then he's a big jerk about it. So she, you know, she publicly, you know, dresses him down in front of everyone. And he's an outcast again. And, you know, they get together in the end. So do you want to know a fun fact? Yes. The high school used for this movie mm-hmm. uh, is about 25 miles from where we are right now in Tucson. <gasps> You're going to have to drive me by it. If you want to take a day trip to Tucson, we can certainly do that. That sounds like a blast. Okay. So this next one, I'm a, I'm a little disappointed this didn't get in here because I like this movie. When you talk about romantic comedies, this is one of the first... Movies, I think that that they it's considered a rom com, so to speak, that I actually enjoyed was when Harry met Sally. Oh, now this one, when Harry met Sally, it's one of those that will transcend a lot of the other '80s movies mm-hmm. at, in standing the test of time. Yes, I mean, who can forget? Surrey with a fringe on top and sharper <laughs> image, along with... I'll have what she's having. Yes, that I was mean, a funny scene. <laughs> so, no. So, even if those other movies all blend together, this one is clearly clearly stands apart on its own and yes. will stand the test of time a lot more than the others. Yeah, a lot of those are teen comedies. Here we've got an adult Billy Crystal and an adult Meg Ryan. Now remember, they're they are teenagers when they first meet because they're freshmen in college. Oh, that's that's true. And so the way that they meet is that they agree to a rideshare. So like back in the day, you would put your number on a bulletin board and say, if you need a ride or I need a ride, I'll pay you twenty five dollars to take me to Chicago with if you're driving home for the break. That's how people got rides home. And so, uh, yeah, so that's how they first met, is that they just agreed to ride together home and split the gas costs. I didn't remember that part of that movie. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Let's be honest. Meg Ryan, who I thought was adorable back then. She still is. She would never. She's had some work done. She doesn't look as good. Uh, She would never have dated a guy that looks like Billy Crystal. Well, she didn't date him. They didn't. They did not start out as well. They didn't start out that way, but they ended up together in the end. But you have to think. Think of some of the guys who were not that attractive in high school, and ten years later they started to fill out, and you know weren't scrawny, skinny people anymore. They actually started looking pretty decent. So it was a long time before they actually became a couple. Yeah guess he had to grow on her the next one sean gill my guy man <laughs> evil dead actually got some votes too <laughs> more than some actual romantic movies well played sir next tina weller uh, another good friend of mine uh she suggested valley girl which i love this movie this movie has one of the best movie soundtracks of any 80s movie. This is Nicolas Cage, and I can't remember the girl's name. I'm sure if I actually had something in front of me, I could. Rebecca something, I don't know. 
he's she's a valley girl he's you know a punk rock guy and uh complete opposites they get together fall in love but that soundtrack so i would put valley girl 16 candles pretty in pink great soundtrack last american virgin those are probably the best movie soundtrack well purple rain but that's basically just a prince album set to um a movie score so yeah those were those are great mannequin that's another one that's a good one yeah i i remember this i don't i don't remember much about it other than this mannequin comes to life right and the guy falls in love with her yeah yeah so was it andrew mccarthy i think it was <laughs> I wonder if he did that wild eye thing he does probably yeah, probably that's his thing I wonder if he wore a wig or got his hair cut twice maybe it was mannequin that he did the thing for that could be could be Next is a movie, I don't care what you people think about me, I will say this (laughs) probably the rest of my life, I love Urban Cowboy. John Travolta, the Italian Tony Manero disco Saturday night fever, becomes a Texas cattle hand who becomes a steel worker in Texas. And that's he, a lot of transitions. That's a lot of transitions. So John Travolta's characters continue to evolve. And so this is probably the most bizarre because it's like anyone that's watched his movies and his New York accent, his Vinnie Barbarino thing, uh, they, they know that uh, this is like a fake accent. But you know what? For some reason, as cheesy as this movie is, I love it. Him and Deborah Winger and the Mechanical Bulls going to Gillies, the country soundtrack. And that really I love all of kicked it. off a whole new rage, too. Oh, Remember what a yes. fad that was? Every bar had one of those Mechanical Bulls then? Yes. Well, what, what it did, really, is over the next several years, we're starting to see more and more country crossover acts onto the pop charts. And uh, me and Matt Taylor, if you guys want to go back and look, a few months ago, we did a thing on 80s country. And I spent a lot of time talking about the influence Urban Cowboy had on not only the country music in the 80s, but the country music that we were suddenly hearing because of, of movies like this. Yeah, but they don't get any better than Charlotte Johnson. No, no they don't. Who sung the song Swing and Leah? Thompson Twins? Almost. It was John Anderson. Very close. Good job. Next, Flashdance. Never saw it. Why? How did you not see Flashdance? I'm a dude. It's got a girl lead character. I don't know. That's the one with the water bucket? Uh, it was a, like a yes. whole fountain thing that sprayed down, wasn't it? Well, it was a bucket, and you, she pulled the thing, and then the bucket yeah. dumped. Well, yes. we, we found out it's Art Hughes' all-time favorite movie a couple weeks ago. He, he confessed. You're kidding. Well, okay, so he did say Art, that... He Art, did, Art, <laughs> yeah. Art Hughes, the Columbus policeman who's like 6'6". Six, six and... <laughs> He's like 6'2". Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he confessed. We were talking about it, and he said, that's a good movie. And me and Kevin just stopped and looked at him like, what are you talking about? But Well, it is, it is a good movie, and it's, it's a good movie about perseverance. Yes, it is. I guess. According to art, it is. Very inspirational. I don't think it's a love story. I don't think it's that romantic, but... 
Well, you know, our guy Todor Todorov from uh, he's a he's our friend from our our sister um, web uh, '80s group there called So '80s. In fact, by the way, you guys go check that out. Lots of music videos that are posted by the the people over there, and so I get in there and check them out. And every once in a while, they've been showing me some stuff that I'd kind of forgotten about. And uh, it's very cool. So, yeah, go check out So 80s on Facebook. Next, About Last Night. This was uh, Demi Moore and Rob Lowe. They kind of, I think they meet in a bar, if I'm not mistaken, and they kind of have fall in love, and and it doesn't last very long. They break up and they get back together again. So, uh, I remember liking this movie. I, haven't, I don't think I've seen it in probably 30 years. But uh, I, w- I saw some clips the other day. I was looking for some stuff, and, and I saw some clips and uh, kind of uh, came back a little bit. But, yeah, that, that, that's one you should check out. Do you remember anything about this one? No, I really don't. Yeah, I think you'd like it. It's a good one. Um, this next one, I'm, I'm kind of surprised there wasn't more people voting for this one. And we just got a couple of these left. Footloose. Now this one got, I think it was, uh, it, it got tons of votes for for the uh, favorite '80s uh, teen movie, and also for best soundtracks of the '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not a whole lot here, and this is this is a great love story. So, really, you think it was a great love story? Oh, I don't gosh. think. Ran an Iron Ariel. Well, so he fights for her honor. Well, not like Karate Kid fighting, but you know. So here's the thing, though. That wasn't the main theme of the movie. No, it wasn't. And so that's like... It's kind of like Die Hard being a Christmas movie, (sighs) right? It's not the theme of the movie, but it's in there. Yeah, that's probably why it only got a few votes. That's what I'm thinking. So, great movie. Yeah, awesome movie. I would not put it as a rom-com, though. No, no, no. Let's see. Against All Odds. I never saw this one. That's another one that's military-based, isn't it? Is it? I, I know Phil so. Collins did the soundtrack that I I can't stand that song. But, uh, yeah. against all odds. So, <laughs> uh, another one here. Uh, Jim Lawler, bless his heart, said The Wraith. So, there's that one. And then the last one. Uh, that was uh, mentioned here is Some Kind of Wonderful. This was another John Hughes film. Probably the least of all of those teenage movies. The one that's most forgettable. Um, Eric Stoltz, Leah Thompson, I think Mary Stuart Masterson's in this one. It's not quite as good. It's okay. I mean, if you're a fan of John Hughes and you've not seen this one, check it out just to, you know, just to kind of see some of this other work. I think this is kind of maybe him mailing one in at the end of his uh, teenage stuff there. So you had mentioned something there, and you kind of stole my thunder a tiny bit. Uh, Die Hard, I think, should be on this list. No. Bruce Willis, he is only at Nakatomi Plaza to get his wife. He feels like his wife is threatened, so he's got to go kill some Germans. Okay. Yeah. So I want to put Die Hard on this list for myself. I think Die Hard... Is a great romantic movie. <laughs> it's one of the it's the greatest Christmas movie of all time. That's what they say. So <laughs> that is our list, our exhaustive list of eighties romantic themed movies. 
Do we have anything to add? Howard the Duck. I'm sure that that has to have some romantic influence oh, somewhere. Oh, yeah. He got to make out with Leah Thompson, so that was kind of cool. There you go. Marty McFly's mom. Which, that could be another romantic movie. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because there Lorraine is Lorraine and George? Yeah. Yeah. Don't you have their prom picture in your office? I sure do. Matt Moore has one just like it. Leah, thank you so much for being part of the podcast this week. Oh, uh, I have loved hanging out with you and doing this, and, and I appreciate your insight. And for those of you listening... I've been in Arizona for six weeks, so this is the first time that Rob has seen me in, well, it's been four weeks, five weeks, four yeah. weeks. It's four weeks. Yeah, so so this is uh, this is how he wants to spend his evening with me after not seeing me for four weeks, <laughs> to talk about movies. She agreed to it. But she was actually supposed to come home last week, found out we're having three feet of snow on the ground and decided you know what won't you just come out here for valentine's day instead i'm like okay we gotta do this podcast because i am go ahead say it admit admit that i am smarter to stay in arizona you sure are (laughs) i wake up yesterday to shoveling snow today i am yeah we mentioned earlier i'm sitting here in the desert now loving life so I'm a little chilly. It's fifty. It is a little chilly. Yeah, not like Ohio chilly. Right now, or your face hurts. No, it doesn't hurt. It's fifty-five degrees right now. Yeah, that's what I thought. And it's an it's nighttime, so and the windows are open. So chew on that, guys. So listen, um, thank you again, everybody, for listening, for hanging out with us. Um, have a great Valentine's Day. Hopefully, you do something fun uh, with your love person you love, and I know I am going to enjoy my my week here with my wife and uh, honey I love you and thank you for for joining me today I love you too sweetheart and you're welcome alright guys thanks for my mixtape you're welcome and let's see for the record guys I only used two 80s songs on here see I am eclectic I used Part of Me Part of You by Glenn Fry and Everywhere by Fleetwood Mac so and Glenn Fry was an eagle you see that created a monster along with timothy b schmidt (laughs) yes who's saying i can't tell you why see that guys boom i can be taught she can (laughs) guys thank you so much again have a great week uh we're taking next week off because i i'm on vacation so i'm going to enjoy that we'll be back in two weeks with uh matt moore and kevin ackley and we'll be talking all about 1985 and are you guys going to do it in the basement, or are you guys going to be upstairs since I'm not going to be home? No way, man. Members Only Studios, that's a, that's a testosterone zone down there. I know. I of, smelled of it. 80s geekdom. Oh, it doesn't <laughs> smell down there. I got, I've got, like, apple pie-scented stuff. So, guys, remember, go back to the beginning of the podcast. Listen to those video, or yeah, the the, the, the audio clips of, of the movies, and correctly identify that as well as the one at the very end of this podcast. And you will get that limited edition can koozie. Guys, thanks a lot. Take care. We'll see you next time. As soon as I wake up Every night Every day I know that it's you I need To take the blues away Love
density has brought me to you. 